0: Good morning Moneyliners community. This is Chris Nichols, CEO and founder of Moneyliners, coming to you on the special Sunday morning podcast, November 27th, to break down the Ohio State Buckeyes epic collapse yesterday in the shoe. And so I want to I bring this to you as a lifelong Buckeyes fan. I've always considered myself a realistic Buckeyes fan, and I, I know plenty of unrealistic Buckeye fans. Many of them are close friends. You will never find me uh, burning a car or flipping over couches um, and acting crazy because of a Buckeyes loss, and certainly not after the loss yesterday to Michigan in the shoe. I want to break this down from a macro to a micro standpoint, and there's been a lot of discussion late last night and into this morning on the future of Ryan Day as the Buckeyes head coach. So we're going to start right there. I want to first start up north and talk about uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago that John Harbaugh, his brother, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens, was one of the top five coaches in the NFL. And I'm going to say today that Jim Harbaugh is one of the top five coaches in college football. And yesterday he proved that on the road in front of a raucous crowd at Ohio State. You know, a few years ago, Jim Harbaugh was almost ran out of town in Michigan. The fans were calling for his head because he could not beat Ohio State. It wasn't that Jim couldn't beat Ohio State. It was that Jim couldn't beat Urban Meyer. You know, in this rivalry over the course of time, 120 years of this rivalry, coaches have seemed to be able to get in the head of the opposing coach. Quite frankly, Urban Meyer owned Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh just couldn't get it done facing Urban Meyer. And then all of a sudden, Urban Meyer moves on, promotes Ryan Day to head coach. And just as Jim said after the Michigan victory last year, some people are on third base and think they've hit a triple. You know, Jim was saying that after the Michigan win last year because Ryan Day essentially inherited a full-blooded five-star program from the great urban meyer ryan day had not done anything as a head coach to prove that he was going to be a winning head coach at one of the most prominent college football programs in the country so essentially jim was saying hey i followed in brady hoke i inherited a michigan program that was in shambles and i have built it over the course of time since 2014 to now finally get the victory in 2021 against the Buckeyes, which he did last year. Whereas Ryan Day, on the other hand, took over Urban Meyer's program after Urban had gone 7-0 against Michigan. And Ryan Day thinks he's done something special after his first victory in 2020. Jim Harbaugh had to take a pay cut in order to keep his job in Michigan. He took a huge pay cut when most college head coaches are signing big time extensions. During the COVID era, Jim was concerned about the livelihood of his assistant coaches and many of the folks within the program that didn't make much money. He took a pay cut so that they could be paid during COVID. And I remember talking about that happening when Jim did that and saying, you know, that right there is a sign of a true leader with humility that cares more about those folks making $50,000, 60000 with maybe four people in their family versus him making a few million. Jim took a pay cut because everyone, had, everyone wanted to run him out of Ann Arbor. On the other hand, Ryan Day took a program, signed a lucrative contract, got a five-star chips from all over the country, and Ryan Day was just expected to continue to beat Michigan in the footsteps of Irvin Meyer. Yesterday, Jim Harbaugh owned Ryan Day. Jim Harbaugh came in as an eight-point underdog to the Buckeyes. And in the first half, they looked a little bit like an eight-point underdog. They could not get anything going on the ground. Uh, The Buckeyes were moving the ball fairly with ease, getting five, six, seven yards a chunk on run plays, and they were throwing short passes with a little bit of success. The Buckeyes went into the locker room up 20 to 17 and felt comfortable coming out of the locker room in the second half in command of the game. But something happened in that locker room at halftime. Jim Harbaugh got his troops ready for battle in the second half, and they came out and they took it to the Buckeyes. However, in the Buckeye locker room, Jim Knowles thought he was in command on defense. They had shut the running game down. McCarthy wasn't getting too much action. And they thought that they just would continue status quo in the second half. Many of the analysts had it right. They said that J.J. McCarthy was going to have to win the football game for the Michigan Wolverines. Because the Buckeyes were committed to stopping the run, and they stacked the box on every single play. You know, my grandfather used to say, fool me once shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. How about fool me five times? Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator who everyone had hailed the savior of the Buckeyes, saying that the defense was different this year, was exposed. Not once, not twice, but five times. Yet there were no in-game coaching changes to the strategy on defense. I want to know where Eikenberg, Tuimoloa, and Chambers were yesterday. Were they actually on the field? Were they on the defensive side of the football? Because I did not hear their names. All I kept seeing was Eichenberg in shock as the video would pan out from Eichenberg's face, not knowing what just hit him. You know, Jim Knowles was outcoached he was out prepared, he was out planned, he was out executed. And when he did the press conference last night, it looked like and sounded like the guy was literally drunk. Now, I didn't know if maybe he was sipping on the whiskey up in the press box because he was isolated and alone and had several Dixie Cups in front of him. Or was he so shocked that sometime between coming down from the press box and going in front of the media, he just decided to down a bottle of whiskey. Because all Jim Knowles kept talking about was explosives. There were explosives in the game. What is he talking about? Is this the military? Are we in battle in in Afghanistan? Explosives? You just, you had play after play of 40 plus yards, McCarthy, throwing the ball for long touchdown passes. And then Edwards finishing you off with a 75-yard run and an 85-yard run that looked like he parted the Red Sea like Jesus. There was no one behind the front line of defense. Nobody. Now, number 12 back there, the punt uh, blocking specialist in Ransom, he was back there all alone and isolated when Edwards busted through the line for the very first 75-yard touchdown scamper. And if you watch that play, Edwards actually went to the left. He went to the left facing the defense instead of the right. So he was actually fooled thinking McCarthy was going to take off running to the left side of the offensive line instead of chasing Edwards on the right when he got through the hole. And then Ransom also took what looked to be a Bush League play coming in and trying to chase down Edwards versus going for the angle, knowing that he was the only one preventing Edwards from reaching the end zone. That didn't work. You know, when you watch the play of the Buckeyes on defense, it all goes back to Jim Knowles. The players were not in the right position during key critical parts of the game that led to touchdowns for Michigan. If you look at the stat lines from between both teams, you would think it might have been a 24-21 game, maybe a 27-24 game. The stat lines were pretty close. As a matter of fact, the Ohio State Buckeyes had more first downs than the Michigan Wolverines. But when it counted, Michigan struck, and they struck hard for touchdowns. And Knowles was outcoached. You know, when I think about the coaches, I watched the USC game last night. And I watched Lincoln Riley, who came over from Oklahoma two years ago. By the way, USC, when you hired Lincoln Riley, I said, USC football is going to become prominent once again. I've always been a fan of Lincoln Riley's great football coach in Oklahoma. And a little bit like Ryan Day, he inherited Bob Stoops' and his Oklahoma Sooners. But the difference between Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day is was on full display yesterday. Ryan Day folded his hand time after time again when Lincoln Riley put his foot down on the gas pedal riding Caleb Williams to what should be the Heisman Trophy. You also saw the difference yesterday between C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. C.J. Stroud failed on the big stage. He should no longer be in contention for the Heisman Trophy. While Caleb Williams last night in his victory over a tough Notre Dame team put an emphatic stamp on the Heisman Trophy race. And I do strongly believe that Caleb Williams will win the Heisman Trophy based purely on his performance last night against Notre Dame. That kid is special. And C.J. Stroud on the big stage yesterday had the chance to get that signature victory to take him to New York, and he failed miserably. Let's talk a little bit about C.J. Stroud, Ryan Day, and how it's been more about him this season, especially yesterday, than it was about the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, I I don't know if you, if you happen to look on the ESPN roster report right now, if you just take, if you take the Ohio State Buckeyes and you look at the actual roster, the running back yesterday isn't even on the roster. Yep. Trey who was gashing the Michigan Wolverines for nearly six yards a carry. He had 14 carries on 83 yards. That's an average of six yards a carry. He's not even on the roster. There are five running backs listed on the ESPN Ohio State University roster, and he's not on it. Yet he was getting six yards a carry. Now, granted, he was on the field because, you know, Ryan Day knew that the Michigan Wolverines didn't even know who he was. And he's a pretty talented back as your six-string running back. Six yards a carry. Yet in a critical moment in the game, the game, at the game point where I thought the tide was fully turned, was at seven and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. You're down by 11 points. And you are at first and 10 from the 15-yard line, averaging six yards a carry. You now have the ball 3rd and 4 from the Michigan 9-yard line down by 11 with 7 minutes and 28 seconds left. And what do you do on 3rd and 4? You throw an incomplete pass. You see, on 3rd and 4 from the 9, down by 11 with 7.5 minutes left, when Michigan had just scored a touchdown on an 8-minute drive, you cannot leave that spot without a touchdown. Instead of showing your strength and imposing your will on the Michigan defensive line and saying we're going to run it twice right down your throat to get the first down and eventually the touchdown, you put the ball in CJ's hands, he throws an incomplete pass, and you kick a field goal with seven minutes and 20 seconds left in the game to cut the lead to eight. You run that ball two times on third down and fourth down to get the first down because you're averaging six yards a carry. That was the end of the game, in my opinion. When I break down what happened in the fourth quarter, that was the pivotal moment. On the ensuing kickoff, Donovan Edwards took the very first play from the line of scrimmage for 75 yards and a touchdown putting the game out of reach. The Wolverines went up 15 points at that moment and the wheels literally fell off the sports car for the Buckeyes because C.J. Stroud threw his first of two interceptions late in the fourth quarter on the Buckeyes' very next possession. I don't understand the offensive play calling. Third and four from the nine, down by 11 with seven and a half minutes left. It's been more about C.J. Stroud this year and his chase for the Heisman Trophy than it's been about the Ohio State Buckeyes. And again, that goes straight back to coaching. That is on Ryan Day. You know, in Ryan Day's press conference, he did get something right. This falls on me. You're damn right it does. It is your job as the coach to get your coaches ready to coach in a big-time game in the national spotlight in a historic rivalry, and you failed. It is up to your defensive coordinator to have his players in the right position, with the right mentality, to execute on each and every play, every tackle, every move on defense. And your three-star defensive players were MIA all day, the entire game. I don't believe I heard Tui Moloa's name announced one time in the game. So when your three defensive players don't show up, when your quarterback's not on par, and your head coach is completely outcoached from the sideline by his rival across the way and up north in Jim Harbaugh, you're not going to win football games. I do believe that Ryan Day's job should be in jeopardy. Because, again, Ryan Day didn't do anything to build the Ohio State Buckeye program. He did not rescue the program from a failing Urban Meyer. Year after year, Ohio State gets five-star recruits, the best players from all over the country, to come to the horseshoe and don the scarlet and gray. And Ryan Day is now two consecutive losses to Michigan and this one at home in the shoe as an eight-point underdog, without the Michigan Star running back. Without the starting running back in At Michigan, their key player, you got beat by 30 points. You know, most Buckeye fans today are probably upset at the critics that are saying that USC has just slid into the fourth spot in the college football playoff rankings. Because that's the general consensus across the board today is that the top four rankings should be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. I think they are spot on. I don't think there's any argument from anybody And it's very obvious that it's Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. Lock those three in. They're undefeated. They're on the verge of winning their conference championships. So let's put those aside. Let's talk about that fourth spot. Does it belong to the Buckeyes? Can Alabama slip up to the fourth spot? Is it USC? Let's talk about some of the action that occurred yesterday across the landscape so that I can explain why it is USC. First of all, let's talk about Brian Kelly, who thinks he, could, he did something special by beating a, a, maybe the worst Nick Saban Alabama team that I've seen in a decade. Well, clearly, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, ended your playoff hopes last night with not just a squeaked-out victory, But Texas A&M, an under-500 football team that's not even going to be in a bowl game, beats you 38-23? And you're talking about playoffs? You know, the SEC has had a down year outside of Georgia, just Georgia and the rest. But LSU should have never even been in the conversation at number five. So that took care of itself. And then Oregon, who may have been able to kind of make their way up into the discussion, they lost after leading by three touchdowns in Corvallis. So that took care of itself. Nick Saban, he, yes, they beat Auburn by two and a half touchdowns, led by Cadillac Williams as interim coach. But at home against Auburn this year, you should have won by 40 So I don't want to hear any talk about Alabama with two losses to LSU, who just got beat by Texas A&M, and to Tennessee in the discussion. They don't belong there. Go home, enjoy your offseason, the longest offseason you've had in a while, Nick, because you don't belong in the playoffs. The team that belongs in the playoffs is going to be either USC or Ohio State. I think it comes down to those two. Another team that took care of itself yesterday, Dabo Sweeney, got beat by Beamer Jr. What what kind of, how, what a way to end your season if you're Beamer Jr. You're the coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks with a great quarterback, and you beat Tennessee, and then you beat Clemson back-to-back weeks. Shane Beamer, congratulations on really putting an emphatic stamp on your recruiting season coming up for South Carolina. There's got to be some kids down in the South ready to be a Gamecock after those two big victories, and you knocked Clemson out of the discussion, rightfully so. So really, the decision comes down, and I think it makes it simple for the committee. If USC wins the Pac-12 championship, they're in. They're number four. And the reason they're in is because they, like Ohio State, would have one loss and they would have beat UCLA and Notre Dame consecutively and then won the Pac-12 championship while Caleb Williams dazzles on the football field. If USC loses the Pac-12 championship and they go to two losses, then Ohio State gets an opportunity for redemption against Georgia. They will be the number four seed. Georgia would be the number one seed. And we'll really get to see if that sports car can get to the garage and rebuild itself. So it really comes down to the committee choosing between a one loss USC team that will likely win their Pac 12 championship based on the way they're playing or the Ohio State Buckeyes slipping in after a USC loss. So I'm sorry, Buckeye fans, if you think that a one-loss Ohio State team with really only two victories to even mention, Penn State, which is a solid team, and that wasn't an easy victory, but they did win. And Notre Dame, at the very beginning of the season that just lost last night to USC, You don't have an argument. You got embarrassed at home. You got crushed at home. You have to protect your house. I remember I was at the Oklahoma at Ohio State game several years ago when Baker Mayfield planted the Oklahoma flag in the center of the O. And I remember that night because many Buckeye fans were livid at the embarrassing display of unsportsmanlike conduct by Baker Mayfield. How dare he come into the shoe and plant the Oklahoma flag in the center of our O. I said that night, like I will say again, protect your house. After yesterday's Michigan victory, number zero, the defensive leader, converted wide receiver for Michigan, took the M flag to the center of the field and stuck it right in the middle of the O. Which caused, obviously, this controversy and uprising of Buckeye fans. How dare he show such disrespect? Protect your house, and you won't have to worry about people planting flags in the center of your field. You failed to do that. Ryan Day failed to lead you to victory in protecting your house. And Jim Knowles is still talking about explosives this morning. Hey, Jim, I don't know how we thought you were going to solve our defensive issues. You were the defensive coach for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Since when did Oklahoma State and defense end up in the same sentence? Your defensive work up to this point was against inferior competition. You didn't stop Northwestern. You couldn't stop Penn State. So why anyone thought you would have the right game plan and have the players ready to stop Michigan? It's an unfair request of you. It's an unfair expectation of you at this point. I hope that things get turned around for next season because the last few years watching the Ohio State Buckeyes defense has been extremely painful because it hasn't been the defense that I'm used to under the Cooper-Trestle-Meyer era. For many of those years, the Buckeye defense carried the offense. If you look back to the Trestle National Championship year with Craig Krenzel at quarterback, It was the Buckeyes defense that won that championship. And now, week after week against superior competition, it looks like Swiss cheese. And it did again on Saturday. For you Michigan fans, I'll end it with this. In 2014, when Jim Harbaugh was parting ways with the San Francisco 49ers, a mutual decision. Lloyd Carr took to the press to say, Jim Harbaugh should be our next coach at Michigan. There were some big names being tossed around, but Lloyd Carr, a very respected gentleman and coach of the, of the Wolverines, said that choice should be Jim Harbaugh. But it wasn't his choice to make. You hit the jackpot when you got Jim Harbaugh. I know it was painful for several years, watching him lose against Urban Meyer, but your patience and his willingness to show humility, restructuring his contracts, to get a, just get another opportunity, another shot at the Buckeyes, it has now paid off because for two years in a row, Jim Harbaugh has shown the faithful Michigan fans why. The Harbaugh brothers are two of the best coaches in the sport of football at any level. Be proud as a Wolverine today because you owned the horseshoe yesterday in your emphatic victory against Ohio State, and you are on your way to winning the Big Ten championship next week against Purdue in Indianapolis. And you will get the opportunity to likely show your skill set on the football field against the TCU Horned Frogs as the number two and number three matchup in a few weeks. Congratulations, Michigan. You earned this victory. And today you have the right to brag about the battle. And yesterday you had the right to plant your flag in the center of the O in front of 120,000 fans. This is Chris Nickel on Sunday, November 27th for the special Moneyliners podcast about the game. Have a good day.